0: Sacramento fans might have different opinions on who they want the Kings to hire as their next head coach, but I think we're all in universal agreement that we want it to be 100% general manager, Monty McNair's hire. That's where today's report from Mark Stein that Vivek Ranadive is apparently really interested and really pleased, happy, interested in Mark Jackson and has been very impressed by his interviews so far, giving him his best opportunity at a head coach job in eight years. That's why that report is so scary to me and is sending off alarm bells all across the Kings fandom. On today's Locked On Kings podcast, I'm going to be joined by a man who is very familiar with the Golden State Warriors, very familiar with Mark Jackson's time with the Golden State Warriors. We'll also fill us in on what Mike Brown has been doing for the Warriors over the last six seasons. Kyle Madsen from 95.7 The Game joins me on today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode
1: of Locked On King.
0: Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in depth analysis, game by game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. Just wrapped up my eighth season covering Kings basketball. This is year five for me hosting Locked On Kings, and I currently work for ABC 10 News in Sacramento. And before we get to this great conversation that I had with Kyle Madsen from 95.7, the game uh, radio in the Bay Area, uh, the flagship radio station of the Golden State Warriors, I needed to share my own thoughts on this report from Mark Stein. Because, boy, did it make my day a little bit worse. And, And what I mean by that is Mark Stein tweeted this. Mark Jackson has impressed Kings owner Vivek Ranadive in the interview process to date, and appears to have his best shot at an NBA coaching job since his Golden uh, since Golden State ouster eight years ago. Why is it such a big deal that this tweet mentions Vivek Ranadive being impressed by Mark Jackson? It doesn't say that Vivek and the Kings are hiring Mark Jackson. It Doesn't name him as a front runner or give him any higher likelihood to get the job than the other two candidates, Steve Clifford and Mike Brown at this point in time. But what it is, is a continuation of a pattern, a pattern that I've talked a lot about recently on Twitter, pattern that I talked a lot about recently on the Locked on Kings podcast. When we saw this list of finalists and we saw Mark Jackson and Mike Brown's name, both coaches, of well, Mark uh, Mike Brown currently is an assistant coach of the Golden State Warriors, as was Luke Walton, as was Mike Malone, Mark Jackson, former head coach of the Golden State Warriors. It's the continuation of that pattern of Vivek Ronadive during his ownership tenure here the last nine years. He has basically just tried to be the Golden State Warriors. He's tried to find the next Steph Curry, tried to add the shooting, tried to add the coaches, tried to add the 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 basically that Warriors dynamic. He's tried to copy and paste it here in Sacramento, and obviously it's failed time and time and time and time again. It's not that the Golden State Warriors are a bad motto to follow. Quite the opposite. You want to build a dynasty like what the Warriors have been able to build, but you can't just copy and paste what they're doing, take directly from them, and just implement it here in Sacramento and expect it to work. That's been made clear. Over the last nine years. So when I see this tweet. And I see Vivek Ranadive's name. Not Monty McNair. Not even assistant general manager Wes Wilcox. Nobody from the front office. I see Kings owner Vivek Ranadive's name being brought up in this tweet. It sends alarm bells off in my head without stopping. We have tried or at least I have tried to put away the thoughts of Is Monty McNair really in charge of this team or is it still Vivek Ranadive? We know King's owner Vivek Ranadive and ownership in general has a history of meddling in basketball decisions over the last nine years here in Sacramento, undermining basketball decision makers. That's been made perfectly clear over the last few years when McNair was hired. There were still those concerns. A first-time general manager, hey, is this hire being made? Is is McNair getting this opportunity because Vivek and King's ownership feels that they can control McNair and influence his decisions? Those are valid concerns that I've tried to put away as much as possible, And and the King's organization has tried to put away and dismiss as much as possible because time and time again, Monty McNair has said, look, I am the end-all, be-all decision-maker here. I have full autonomy. I get to make the final decisions. Not Vivek, not ownership, nobody. And I've tried to embrace that and accept that and fully believe that. But then tweets like this come out that get the fan base concerned that once again, nothing is changing. And based off of Vivek and Kings Ownership's track record over the last nine years, for their involvement, now it's no, it's nothing new for Vivek to be involved in these interviews. That doesn't surprise me at all. I expected Vivek to be in the room. I expected him to lend his opinion. I have no problem with that. That's what NBA owners do. But the, the final decision needs to be Monty McNair's. And I would have handled this tweet, even if Mark Jackson is not my favorite candidate out of the three, I would have handled this tweet a whole hell of a lot better if it was Monty McNair has been impressed by Mark Jackson. Because Monty McNair is the basketball decision maker. This is Monty McNair's hiring. But instead, we're not hearing about the general manager. The front office has been skipped altogether in this report. It's Vivek. It's ownership. Again. I don't believe that Vivek loves Mark Jackson. McNair loves somebody else. And McNair is going to be forced to hire Mark Jackson. I certainly hope that's not the case. I don't believe things are that black and white, that extreme. I really don't. But... Having Vivek's name being in this report, having his interest being reported over Monty McNair's interest at this point in time, that continues the the fear, the reputation that once again, ownership is getting over-involved in basketball decisions. And based off of the track record, when that happens, the Kings fail. They have to get this choice right. They have to get this head coach hire right. And it's all on Monty McNair's shoulders. But we're not hearing about Monty. We're hearing about Vivek. And that concerns the hell out of me. I discussed that with Kyle Madsen amongst many other things. Great stuff about Mark Jackson. Great stuff about Mike Brown. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with 95.7 The Games. Kyle Madsen here on the Locked On Kings podcast. Another day, another instance of the Sacramento Kings just trying to be the Golden State Warriors. And here, who uh, to, to bring us a little bit of information, is someone who not only understands the Golden State Warriors very, very well, is a longtime fan and, of course, a, a producer over at 95.7 The Game uh, in the Bay Area. He spent a lot of time in Sacramento as well, so he knows the struggles and the pains of Sacramento Kings fans. Kyle Matson, it has been way too long, my man, since you've been on Locked on Kings. It's a pleasure to have you back on, buddy. Help us out here. The Sacramento Kings just, once again, trying to be the Golden State
1: Warriors. Is it the right move? Who knows? I, maybe. <laughs> I think if, it, if you go with the right with the right coach from Golden State, like it's a right, it's a good model to follow. And trying to emulate Golden State in certain ways is not necessarily a bad thing. I give Vivek's idea, but there are things like trying to just find the next Steph Curry like that just doesn't happen. Like Steph Curry is very very unique. So I think in those ways you can't you can't try to be the Warriors, but I think you can set up an organizational structure that allows you to kind of have that sustained success. But one of the things I think Joe Lacob does, he has his hands on a little bit, but he lets the basketball people do basketball people stuff. And it doesn't feel like Vivek has gotten that part down quite yet. You would think he would learn his lesson after
0: failure, after failure, after failure. And, you know, I I, I twitched and I know Locked on Kings listeners twitched when they hear, heard you say Vivek's idea. Because that's, that's the major concern here is when the Kings hired Monty McNair, we've been told time and time again, directly from Monty, you know, he has full autonomy. This is his team. His decisions go. And we've seen minor reflections of that, like, We heard Vivek Ranadive really wanted Doug Christie to be the Kings' interim coach after Luke Walton was fired. They went with Alvin Gentry, which was overall the right move, even if it didn't really mean anything uh, at, at the end. So we've seen, I guess, little elements of progress, and maybe the same with like some draft picks that McNair has made. But then we have this finalist list come out, and you have Mark Jackson as part of that list. You also have Mike Brown as part of that list, and. Kings fans immediately connect the dots to the amount of Warriors, former Warriors coaches that the Kings have hired, including the one that was Vivek's hire flat out. Mike Malone was actually the best one out of the bunch. And then the Kings completely botched that. But, but Luke Walton uh, as well, like the Kings have always just had these attachments to the Golden State Warriors. That pattern is continuing. So instantly Kings fans thought, Oh God, here we go again. Is McNair. Actually making this higher, is this his list or is this Vivek's list? I did my best to try and dismiss that based off of what we've been told. And then 20 minutes ago, we get this drop that the reason why Mark Jackson is a finalist, this is from Mark Stein, the reason why Mark Jackson is a finalist is because he has impressed Vivek Ranadive in interviews. It just makes you want to pull your hair out.
1: It's, it's uh, I don't have any hair, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's, and that's a problem. Like I'm not anti, I'm, I'm not pro Mark Jackson, but I'm also not like this would be the worst hire in, uh, this would be the worst hire possible if they hired Mark Jackson, because when you look at what he did with Golden State, like Golden State, they, they had the, we believe team and the next year, I think they won like 46 games and missed the playoffs, but then they were just terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark Jackson comes in, they weren't very good his first year, but they tanked to the end of that year so they could keep their pick in uh, in 2011, 2012. In 2012, they make the playoffs in 2013, they make the playoffs in 2014. And Steve Kerr still credits Mark Jackson with getting this core going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at the Kings, they're just it's kind of just this accumulation of talent that doesn't have a real direction and I think if you got a coach in there for a couple two three years to get things going the right direction I think that matters hmm. but then I saw something you said on Twitter the other day where I'm pretty sure it was you That was like whoever the next coach is needs to be here it needs to be stable yeah and if your goal is stability I'm not sure Mark Jackson provides that. Yeah, there, there are a couple elements of Mark
0: Jackson that intrigued me, and, and you can provide better context on this than I can. And I've been reading articles about him trying to reminisce on those years in Golden State and what the general vibe was when he left. And it's been very publicized. Joe Lacob had that, that quote saying, you can't have 200 people in the organization not like you. It's been very publicized that that Jackson didn't necessarily get along with people in the organization Outside of the locker room, at times he even alienated the locker room Correct. from the rest of the organization. But the locker room liked him, and what he got the locker room to do was buy into a kind of defensive mentality, plus the offensive power that that team has. Uh, mm-hmm. He he knew if they bought in on the defensive end, that they could be really good. That's kind of exactly what the Sacramento Kings are looking for. So in that case, you're comparing apples to apples. I guess you can make an argument for why. He makes a lot of, uh, he makes a lot of sense in Sacramento, but do you think eight years that Jackson has not been, not just a head coach, he's not even been an assistant in the league for the last eight years. Do you think that that is like, we I'm hearing this narrative of, oh, time, people can change over time, which is absolutely true, but would you expect Jackson to get this or any job and to completely be different and not hear anything more about issues with the front office.
1: No, because I think that comes from him just as a human. Like that's not a, he was very, their, their offense was like super ISO heavy when, when he was their coach late in the game. It's like Harrison Barnes on the block and go to work young Harrison Barnes, a lot of like David Lee post-ups and it just was, it was kind of ugly. Like Jarrett Jack ISOs. It wasn't great. That's the kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, I could see him changing that. He's been broadcasting. He sees this free flowing NBA now, I think. But when it comes to people and those interpersonal relationships, that's where I think there could be a problem. It's like he's not going to change guys in his 50s. Mm. He is who he is. And that would be my biggest concern with with Mark Jackson is when he gets into the building. Forget what happens on the court are the Kings going to be a better organization because of him? And that I don't like, you can't, you can't say yes to that. Mm. I, I'm, I'm out on him as a dude, but I think he's a decent basketball coach.
0: Yeah. What I can't get past Kyle is he's had multiple interviews with different teams for different openings. He's been connected to the Kings and their multitude of openings since he was fired by the Warriors of the last eight years. Nobody's given him that shot. Nobody has taken that flyer, taken that chance on him. Why in the hell would the Sacramento Kings, after their continued revolving door of head coaches, they now have the longest playoff drought in NBA history. Why in the hell would they think, oh, you know what? Now is the right time to take that shot. That doesn't make any sense
1: to me. Because if you're a vet and your goal is a, to emulate the Warriors and b more than anything to make the playoffs, you look at what Mark Jack, when well, you look at the roster, like Sabonis and 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 Fox, when they're both playing well, like that's that's a legit, those two guys surrounded by better pieces, that can be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I don't, that that's not outrageous. So I think he looks at that and sees the roster they have and go, yeah, hey, it, you bring in Mark Jackson. That's what he did for the Warriors. He got him to the playoffs. He took this talented team that was underachieving and he got him to that next step. That's what I'm guessing the mindset is. Mm. And I don't know Vivek personally. I'm obviously not in those meetings, but you could see if he's trying to tell himself that where he'd be like, I was really impressed in that meeting. I think, yeah, this has got to be the guy. If he thinks that Mark Jackson's just going to get him to the postseason. It's very short-sighted. Yeah. You brought up
0: Fox and Sabonis based off of what you saw Mark Jackson do in in Golden State. What do you think Mark could do with Fox and Sabonis? Is it anything different than we've already seen? Is it getting them to buy in more defensively, especially De'Aaron Fox? Like what do you, when you think Mark Jackson with those two, what comes to mind?
1: Yeah, that's okay. So that's where I would be a little concerned based on what we saw 10 years ago, because it would be like, Oh, end of game situations they're either going to go Fox ISOs or Sabonis post-ups and that's going to be it. I imagine he's evolved a little bit beyond that, but my biggest thing. And when I, when I think of how he might benefit, there's all the reasons that it might not work or won't work. But when you, when you, when you try and pull benefits out of it, I think it is that defensive mindset because so how much of defense is effort like 70%. Mm. And if you get people to buy in defensively, and you have good defensive game plans and you just kind of instill that in. And you still can. De'Aaron Fox is what, 23, 24,
0: 25 I think. Yeah. 24 turning close to 25, something like that.
1: So he's not like this aged vet who's right. stuck in his ways. Like you can make him a better defender. You can, you can get the most out of guys like, um, like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Like they didn't come into the league as these awesome defenders. Mm. Steph Curry, as you, as you noted before the podcast, Um leading guards in field goal percentage against in the playoffs. I think that starts to Mark Jackson. That's exaggerating, but um (laughs) no, I just I I think instilling that mindset and getting the Kings to a space where that's their priority because so much starts on that end. And then when you're getting stops and you get out and run with De'Aaron Fox, you get out and run with Sabonis, that's where they can be really dangerous. But if you're pulling the ball out of the basket every time, it's a lot tougher to do. Um That's the kind of like when I think Mark Jackson can be good for the Kings, that's the benefit I see. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're looking for
0: daily fantasy for the NBA, you need to try the award-winning app Prize Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app. I know you will too. And one of the best parts about it, I'm not just telling you about it right now for you to think towards next season. You can play Prize Picks right now with the NBA playoffs going on. You don't have to sign up at the beginning of the season. You can start playing at any time and it's very easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you. Versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Price Picks is safe. It offers fast withdrawals. You can use their one-winning app right now, both the App Store and Google Play. And the way it works, they offer any different prop that you can think of from points scored to rebounds to steals. And they allow mixed sports entries as well. So while you're betting on basketball playoffs and playing basketball fantasy or the NBA playoffs right now, you can also play uh, MLB regular season happening right now as well. They don't just offer NBA. They have college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. For a limited time, Price Picks is an exclusive no-brainer and offer for all Locked On Kings listeners. You can get $50 for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. That's it. Easy money. All you have to do is use promo code NBA. You get $50 for free if a player in your first entry scores a single point. Take advantage of that free money. Take advantage of the fun and the best way to play NBA Daily Fantasy Sports prize picks. I don't necessarily agree with this and I think it's, it's pretty short-sighted and it's trying to brush problems under the rug, but is there anything to the dismissal of look, on the court is what matters at this point. The Kings have been so bad for so long. Who gives a damn what the, the, the front office thinks as long as the team is winning? If Mark Jackson can come in get the players to buy in, they have success on the floor, even if he p- pisses off McNair or some front office members in the meantime, whatever, we can live with that because finally the Sacramento Kings are winning. Is that super short-sighted or is there maybe a tiny bit of, of, of truth in there for, for Kings fans to latch onto?
1: So... Huh. I think it's, I think it is a little short-sighted because the Warriors fired Mark Jackson and then fell into Steve Kerr Mm. and Steve Kerr is a very good basketball coach and he hired a staff full of very good basketball coaches. That would be for me with the Kings, like, okay, let's say Mark Jackson's here for four years. Can he get into the playoffs a couple of those years? Okay. That's probably the ceiling. Mm and he's probably going to burn some bridges along the way. So what's that next step? And I think that's where a lot of people would be out on him. A, just, I could see being out on him as a person, like you just don't want that guy representing your team, but B, what does it look like in 2025 or 2026? Are they still in the middle of a playoff drought? And also the organization's a dumpster fire because of what Mark Jackson did. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't know if the ceiling of like, yeah, hey, he can get you to the first or second round of the playoffs, but no further is worth the potential pitfalls. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm talking myself out of Mark Jackson as we as we go here.
0: Yeah. And I think most fans (laughs) have either started out or if they've started in and then they talk about it more and more, they kind of end up feeling the same way that he could do a lot of good for the Kings on the floor, which is really the bar is so low here in Sacramento, like just getting to the playoffs might as well be throwing a parade, but the drama and we've experienced drama recently in Sacramento, as you know, Kyle with all the issues between Dave Yeager and Brandon Williams and everything that happened. And we know how much of a distraction that was. And that was for a losing team, not a team with winning expectations. Like the golden state warriors were going through when Mark Jackson was there, but I mean, when I thought about longevity, which you brought up my tweet talking about longevity, like nothing's going to change unless the Kings find some consistency on their bench. Mm -hmm. And as much as I understand you need a guy to get you there. You got to walk before you can run. I'm also looking towards the future of, I don't want the Kings to hire a head coach who gets them there. They're perpetual first round exits for a couple of years. And then you're like, okay, now we have to look for the next guy to take that next step. I know it worked for the Warriors and that might be Vivek's plan because it worked for the Warriors. But that right. seems like a pretty significant anomaly with having Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and then adding Kevin Durant, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, Draymond Green as well, can't leave him out. What was your thought? Like, I was really underwhelmed when I saw this list of three
1: finalists. What was your thought when you saw that list? Brown, Clifford and Jackson. It feels very much like a list. It's not it's not creative. Hmm. It looks like a list of guys when they wrote down. I'm sure they had a whiteboard or something somewhere and they were writing down candidates. It's like, hey, these are the three or four that are most likely to just get us to the playoffs ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. And I get, I get it to an extent, but I also understand the frustration of man, like, yeah, that's cool, but it's not, it's not super inspiring. It's, it's a, a ceiling of, okay, making the playoffs and that's a nice step, but I don't know any Kings fan who's like, I can die happy if they make the post season. Like, no, that's a nice little step, hmm. but the, the aspirations and goals are higher than that. And I, just, and I just don't know if, if this group is that like, there's so many smart young coaches in the league. And I, I this feels like running through a bunch of retreads for the sake of, yeah, Hey, we've seen him get to the playoffs before. So maybe they can do it again.
0: Mike Brown to me is the, if I, if I had to pick out of the three, he's my pick and same it's, I'd say it's a significant gap, but I feel like that's being disrespectful to Clifford a little bit because Clifford, I mean, I I like potentially what Clifford brings. What scares me is that he's been to the playoffs four times and all four times he was a first round exit. The best he was able to do was bring it to seven uh, games. Mm -hmm. So, and again, you got to walk before you can run getting to the playoffs is step one for this Kings team. But then you're talking about like you just said, what's next, right? Mike Brown to me, um, I try to be, I'm trying to be balanced and I've both talked myself in and talk myself out of Mike Brown because I see the longevity. I've seen what he's been able to do. He's obviously very well respected, took the, uh, the Cavs, a Cavs team that someone argued had no business going to the, uh, the NBA championship to the championship. Of course they got swept, but there's a guy named LeBron James on that team. The King sure right. as hell don't have a LeBron James here. Spent the last six years in golden state as an assistant coach with Steve Kerr. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, like, I feel like a lot of fan bases or a lot of teams would view that as a feather in the cap of Brown. It's like, look at the success the Warriors have had. Steve Kerr is a very well-respected head coach to be one of his lead assistants. That helps your case. And obviously it's Mm -hmm. not just Brown sitting there collecting a paycheck. He's helping Kerr. And Kerr has given him a lot of credit uh, over the years. But for the Sacramento Kings who keep plucking from that Warriors Steve Kerr bench, it's like, oh God, here we go again. I'm just curious your thoughts on Mike Brown is a fit in Sacramento. And then if you could provide maybe a little context of what you've noticed that he has provided for the warriors in his time there.
1: I don't know anyone who has ever said anything bad about Mike Brown as a person. Hmm. And I think when you talk about like emulating golden state, if that's Vivek's goal, bringing in a coach like Mike Brown, who I think would provide a structure that goes beyond like, okay, here's the things we need to cobble together to get to a playoff game. It's a structure. It's a mindset. He's one of their their lead defensive coaches, hmm. um, which with Ron Adams no longer on the bench, that's kind of a big deal. Ron Adams was their, their uh, defensive coordinator, for lack of a better term, for such a long time. Um, but with Mike Brown having a guy who has been around a team that has been through the ups and downs, this he's been on the bench for that 2019, 20 season, which was a disaster. And then last year, losing the play in, like he's had to go through some ups and downs. He's seen coaching changes on the bench. Like Steve Kerr last off season, just kind of changed some things up. He was like, we need some new voices. And Mike Brown survived that, but he's mm-hmm. seen the value of building a coaching staff. And I, I just, I really think that you would get that benefit of that defensive, you'd get that benefit of that defensive mindset, but you'd get a guy that players like, Mm -hmm. and that I think coaches and front office members would like. And when you start talking about stability, it's like, man, I think Mike Brown of all those guys provides that. I think he's
0: also the safe pick out of the three, which might Mm -hmm. turn some Kings fans off. I want to be fair here. Kyle, how much different is Mike Brown really from Alvin Gentry? Like, if we think about it, how much different is he? I know he's got the pedigree, but like in terms of coming to Sacramento and changing things, Alvin wasn't really able to do much. But then again, he was hired mid-season and just took over right. for Luke Walton.
1: You know, I don't, I don't one hundred percent know, <laughs> um, but I if if those are that's the thing is like if you ask me to hire a coach, I'm not hiring Mike Brown.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if these are my three options. I think Brown is, <laughs> if these are the three options, it's like, okay. When you're talking about upset, like the NFL draft is just, was just on. And the big thing when the NFL draft is upset, like what's this guy's upside? What can this guy do? I think with Mike Brown, you you're at least, you're talking about organizational stability. You're talking about a guy that isn't going to alienate his players. Um, he'll at worst and try to instill a defensive mindset. And that gets the team going in the right direction. And if you have to move on in a couple of years because you feel like you've kind of hit a ceiling, you can do so without having gone scorched earth along the way like you might with a Mark Jackson. That's why that's why Mike Brown sticks out to me. But I understand it's not hella inspiring. Like he's he's Mike Brown. He's 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 fine. He's a guy. Today's episode of Locked on Kings podcast, also brought to you by
0: betonline.ag, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information from all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NBA playoffs, the start of Major League Baseball going on right now, or betonline is the absolute best way for you to gamble on sports and use your sports knowledge, your Kings knowledge to make yourself some money. Of course, there's all the great lines going on with the NBA playoffs right now, but even Kings fans, you can still make money off of your Kings knowledge. You can bet right now on who you think is going to be the next Kings head coach around the draft lottery. You can bet on where the Kings are going to end up. You can bet on who they're going to take with that pick, whatever that pick ends up being. You can bet future bets of the Kings' win totals for next season, their championship odds. It's all there for you on Bet Online. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. I don't know if you could have put it better just by saying I would not hire Mike Brown, but if those are my three options. And that is what I feel, and what many Kings fans feel the Kings are doing. They're just they're handcuffing themselves into candidates that they don't have to. It's not like these are the only three candidates left available. There were multiple young candidates on that list, including including Darwin Ham. And who knows? Like we don't know behind the scenes. Maybe Ham had a first interview and said, no, nah, I'm not interested in that job." Same thing with Lil Hardy. Like ah, I'm not interested in that job. Okay, like maybe that happened. Which is we a whole
1: other problem.
0: Exactly. Like we don't have that information to begin, but but, but to begin with, but regardless, it's like we've heard the Kings are finally going to do this, this extensive coaching search. And here we are season ended only a few weeks ago and the Kings have their finalists already. And on top of that, it's three guys who we've seen and heard about before. Like I just, I don't understand whether it's McNair pulling the strings, Vivek pulling the strings, regardless. It just seems like another, the Kings are sabotaging or hurting themselves. And that's the most consistent thing over the last 16 years is Kings hurting themselves. I'm trying to be respectful because I think all three coaches could potentially be good here in Sacramento, Sure, but it feels like instead of pulling from this, this pool of potential, you're limiting yourself right away. I just don't understand the thought
1: process behind that. So in sports and, you know, especially when, when you're golfing and you're afraid to make a mistake, when you think about like, man, I just don't want to chunk this, Mm. like you're going to do it. Yeah, You're going to make, or you're going to thin it and you're going to make some kind of mistake if you're thinking about it. And that's where I feel like the Kings are. It's like, they're afraid to hire an Ime Udoka because they're afraid to like, have it not work. Mm. So go with this coach with the high floor and the low ceiling and just call it good because, yeah, Hey, didn't take a big swing. We did something that, you know, we hired an experienced coach. You can play it off that way. And it's just like, okay, maybe it works, but also maybe it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, it's not like there's a justification for it. It's like, everybody knew this kind of wasn't going to work. And that's what, that's where they're, paralyzed it seems to me they're paralyzed by this idea of like yeah hey we're going to do something different and interesting that's not playing 5 on 4 basketball that's too different that's too weird
0: <laughs> oh don't bring that back up i miss those days <laughs> things were simpler
1: at that time there's at least
0: still some hope and optimism Kyle it's not that i'm i'm necessarily anti retreads or i'm anti guys that have had former nba coaching experience i understand why I've, McNair might want to go that route. And I could make an argument for that route being the right route. But there was one name that, if the Kings were going to go that route a couple of weeks ago, I was very interested in seeing, hopefully, being part of that route. And his name has not been brought up once. And that's Kenny Atkinson, who's also with the Golden State Warriors. Now, I understand arguments against Kenny Atkinson, too, for, for being the right fit for the Sacramento Kings. Regardless, I had interest in him. We mm-hmm. have not heard Kenny's name involved with the Sacramento Kings other than Sam Amick suggesting that maybe he wasn't that interested in the job. Like there are 30 NBA head coaching jobs and you potentially have a guy who, granted, he's on a great bench with the Golden State Warriors right now and probably loving that mm-hmm. position. But you have a guy looking at the Kings job and I guarantee you he's not the only
1: one potentially saying, nah, I'm good. Like you said, that's a problem. That's that's the biggest that's the biggest issue here is maybe the Kings have put themselves in a spot. And I don't know, but maybe the Kings have put themselves in a spot where the Mark Jacksons and the Mike Browns and the Steve Cliffords are the only ones that will take it. Hmm. These experienced coaches that are like, yeah, I've been through the ringer, but I'm down to, to jump back into another head coaching gig. Like if you're, because if you're, if you're a, if you're a first time head coach, is this the team you want to go to?
0: It feels like you're being set up for failure. And I said that exact thing about Doug Christie. In so many ways, I bet first-time coaches look at this situation go, yeah, I could probably be successful there, but look at the owner, look at the general manager, look at the history. This could be my one-and-done spot, and I'm not doing that. Yeah. Especially when the Lakers job is available and maybe the Utah Jazz job is available. Like, I I completely understand that, too. Just – what a weird spot for the Kings to be in. It's just hard to not imagine the pattern continuing. And that's the first thing that came to my mind when I saw this list of three guys.
1: Yeah, that was the same. When that came out, I was like, Oh, I'm kind of, what names are they going to put out? How, how creative are they going to get? And it's like, that's it. Mm -hmm. Like just these, this group of retreads, like not even, it was very uninspiring. Yeah. And you hope it, you hope it works, but Are you betting on it? (laughs) Absolutely not. I learned that
0: mistake or I learned that, that, uh, that a long time ago, not to, not to bet on success for the Sacramento Kings. And I do know, (laughs) thanks to one of our sponsors bet online that a lot of Kings fans actually made a lot of money betting against the Sacramento Kings. I love that online. Hey, maybe maybe you can cash in every once in a while (laughs) on your, on your, (laughs) your natural skepticism. But Kyle, I wanted to end on something completely related or unrelated to the coaching search, but related to the Warriors. Jordan Poole has intrigued me a lot this season. I know he's intrigued a lot of people around the NBA. He's been a fantastic story uh, and very fun to watch. And I don't think what he's doing is a fluke. However, we've seen players in the past have really big breakout seasons like this, have huge performances in the postseason when it matters, get significant paydays from other teams. Not that I'm, I'm suggesting he's ready to leave the Golden State Warriors by any means, but getting a bag from another team, And then he just kind of levels out and comes back down to earth a little bit and becomes okay. Now Poole could be a superstar for the remainder of his career. That's an option too. But the Kings don't necessarily have a bunch of money to spend this offseason. So I don't know if this is necessarily a, a Kings concern, but it's also very Kings to see what Jordan Poole is doing for the Golden State Warriors and go, oh my God. Hi, I'm Vivek Ranadive. I want that guy. Here's a million bazillion dollars or whatever I can offer. Bring him here to Sacramento. And then he just becomes fine. Like, do you think that's a fair assessment of Jordan pool? Or do you really think like who he is right now? He's, this is who he's going to be for his career.
1: All right. So a couple things with that, if you're trading Tyrese Halliburton and then signing Jordan pool to like huge money, I think that's just like, that's malpractice. what Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing at that point? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Um. So that's one thing, not that Halliburton and pool are the same player. But when you talk about their ability to exist next to Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox, I just I don't I don't necessarily see that. But with with Pool, um, I don't know if he's going to be a thirty points a game guy. That's that's kind of wild. But I have done a complete one eighty on him because I was at a point a couple years ago because his rookie year he literally had the worst shooting season of all time, mm-hmm. like statistically worst shooting season ever. And then he's in the G league and he's bouncing back and forth and he just doesn't quite look like he's, he's got it. But then in the play in last year, he takes a couple of big shots, makes a couple of big shots against the Lakers end up not winning, but it's like, okay, like he's sacked up and and took a couple of big shots for them.
0: Hmm.
1: And then he has this stretch to end this year where he just becomes this dynamite scorer with no step. It's like, okay, well, let's see it with Steph back in the lineup. Does it with Steph back in the lineup? Okay, well, let's see him do it in the playoffs. does it in the playoffs? Okay, well, what about on the road in the playoffs? Does it then comes out game one against Memphis after two bad games against Denver? Comes out against Memphis and has a monster game one to help lift the lift the Warriors to a win. Mm-hmm. I think he's a dude. I think he's legit. And that ability to have a couple of bad games, but the the biggest reason I say that is. A, that ability to have a couple bad games and bounce back and have another good one is big. But two, when he's not scoring, it used to be bench him because he's not going to do anything. But now when he's not scoring, he still tries his ass off on defense. He gets underneath and gets rebounds. His playmaking ability has increased dramatically. Such a better passer now than he was two, three years ago. And being able to impact games that way when he's not scoring is kind of the next step. And he's taking it so i think he's going to be a dude and i think he's going to get paid that's 95 7 the game's kyle
0: madsen you can uh, check out all the great work that he does uh over there on bay area radio side and then of course uh 49ers fans with all the stuff that he does uh for the niners wire covering the san francisco 49ers uh and then kyle you're, you're still doing stuff with candlestick chronicles right yeah
1: candlestick chronicles 49ers pod yep so and chris biederman that's Go right.
0: Zach B and Chris uh, working for the sack Bee, done a, a lot of great coverage for the Sacramento Kings as well. There's all these ties. Somehow it all comes back to the Sacramento <laughs> Kings for you and some it way. Kyle. Well, it's a pleasure to have you back on my friend. And hopefully uh, if the Kings do hire Brown or do hire Jackson, if the world's not melting down, I'd love to have you back on to, to discuss Anytime. a little bit more about what they can do. I appreciate you so much, my friend. And uh, let's do it again soon. No doubt, no, buddy. Huge thank you to Kyle for joining me on the Locked On Kings podcast. It's so great to have him back on. It's been way too long and hoping to have him on again more frequently and in the near future. I want to hear your thoughts now on... Uh, Mark Jackson being Vivek's favorite. Are you concerned or are you a little more level-headed maybe than I am about this situation? Your thoughts on Mark Jackson being the hire for the Sacramento Kings, whether or not you think it could work or not. Uh, Steve Clifford, Mike Brown, your opinions on all of them. Send them to me at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Email me Supports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Appreciate your support as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next Locked on Kings podcast. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings